Bible reading tonight is uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 7. If you'd like to open up your smartphones, etc., I'll give you a moment. Oh, it'll be on the screen behind us. Ecclesiastes chapter 7, starting at verse 1. A good name is better than fine perfume, and the day of death better than the day of birth. It is better to go to a house of mourning than to go to a house of feasting, for death is the destiny of everyone. The living should take this to heart. Frustration is better than laughter, because a sad face is good for the heart. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of pleasure. It is better to heed the rebuke of a wise person than to listen to the song of fools. Like the crackling of thorns under the pot, so is the laughter of fools. This too is meaningless. Extortion turns a wise person into a fool, and a bribe corrupts the heart. The end of a matter is better than its beginning, and patience is better than pride. Do not be quickly provoked in your spirit, for anger resides in the lap of fools. Do not say, why were the old days better than these? For it is not, a wise, it is not wise to ask such questions. Wisdom, like an inheritance, is a good thing and benefits those who see the sun. Wisdom is a shelter, as money is a shelter. But the advantage of knowledge is this. Wisdom preserves those who have it. Well, hello, everybody. My name's John, one of the pastors here. Uh, it's good to see you. Um, and I'm going to assume that I'm seeing smiling faces underneath the mask. Um, I've been really trying to work hard on my eye movements to try and convey how, you know, how we normally smile or we would, you know, I don't know, yeah, facial expressions are all kind of difficult now, so I've been working on eyes. I hope you have too. Um, now, we're going to look at uh, the next in our series. We're going to have a look at wisdom as we look at Ecclesiastes. I'm just going to put this stuff down. Um, and as we do this, uh, I was thinking how weird it was that I am preaching on uh, this passage about wisdom. And I was thinking what my teachers would have thought if they heard that I was preaching on wisdom. And they probably would have laughed and said, really? You're getting him to talk about wisdom? Maybe you should have got somebody else. Well, maybe we should have. But the good thing is, we're not talking about my wisdom. We're talking about the wisdom of God and the wisdom that Solomon has mapped out for us really clearly here, even though it seems a little bit bizarre, really clearly for us here in chapter 7. So we're going to have a look at that now. I'm going to pray for us and then we're going to dive in. So let's do that. Let's pray. Our dear gracious God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for all, uh, this time that we have together. Father, we pray that, uh, that you would speak clearly through your word, that you would teach us what it is to love you, to fear you, and to keep your commands. Father, we pray that you continue to grow us in wisdom, not just wisdom that's from this earth, but wisdom that comes from you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, before we do actually dive in, I thought it'd be a little bit of, we'll have a little bit of fun. Um, there's a game that uh, I remember playing in youth group called Would You Rather. I've kind of changed it to what is better. Okay, so let's, let's see how we go. What is better, a dog or a cat? 
You can tell what I think by the picture of the cat. Right? What about this? Uh, what is better, Netflix or YouTube? Netflix, all right. Uh, what about this one? What is better, uh, ice cream or Slurpee? Whoa, a little bit undecision. I, I don't know what's going out there or what's happening online. Hopefully you're throwing it in the comments. Sorry? Yeah, I, I was a little bit misleading because my favourite ones were at the top um, as I put this together. So the... It's a little bit of fun, isn't it? Just to, to pick, you know, what, what we think what we think is better, and we're a little, you know a little bit divided on some things, and that's okay. But I tell you, if you uh, were sitting here reading what Michael just wonderfully read for us, and heard Solomon talking about the things that were better than other things, I think you would have been in disagreement with Solomon, like I was when I first read this. I was like, awesome. This is we're going to talk about this. This so this is the wisdom that Solomon wants us to look at. Have a look in verse 1 with me, where he says, A good name is better than fine perfume, and the day of death better than the day of birth. <sighs> awesome. That sounds really morbid, doesn't it? But we need to actually have a think about what Solomon is doing here. He's, he's not saying that death is the be-all and, or, uh, be all and end all of everything. He's, he's not so morbid in his thinking that, that he just lives a life of doom and gloom. He also knows that we actually need to be born to be able to die. We can't just die. We need to be born first. So the two things are really important. And what Solomon wants to unpack for us and what he does in these first 12 verses of chapter 7 is encourage us to think about how we live life between these two very important days. The day that we are born and the day that we die. How we live in between is of the utmost importance. Do we live with wisdom that is earthly wisdom or do we live following the wisdom of God? And this is what he unpacks for us in this chapter. And first of all, he wants to talk about our name. Now, it's interesting because he starts off by telling us about these two very important days, the day that we're born or the, the day that we receive our name. And then the day that, or that day that we receive our name and our name goes on our birth certificate, gets written on, and then the day where our name is taken and put on, put on our tombstone. What we do in the in-between will have an impact on how we are remembered. Have you ever thought about that? How will you be remembered? What kind of person will you be remembered? When someone thinks of your name, what will they think? Will someone think, Jai, ah, oh, he's a horrible person. Bit of a jerk, really. Or will they go, Jai, he was really nice and kind. Or something else. See, we are given names at birth and sometimes throughout our life we're given nicknames. It's really hard with a name like Jai to get a nickname because there's no real shortening of a three-letter name. It's always extensions. I don't think it kind of works that way. But, but then we're also given, uh, not, not necessarily a name, but there is something that goes along with our name, a, a memory or a, a, a 
not like a taste of it, but I guess the, the, the way that Solomon talks about it is there's an aroma that goes with our name, whether it is sweet or foul. When someone thinks of us, what do they think? Now, I remember when uh, we were going through the, the naming of our children, and I remember uh, talking to a teacher once about one of the names that we were thinking about. Now, uh, parents who, or parents-to-be, I know there's a few uh, people who are expecting children in the, in the, this year, uh, talk to teachers about your name choice. It's always a wise thing. Because I remember talking to a teacher and saying, oh, here are some names, and I, the first name, and I wish I could remember what it was, the first name I said, the teacher just went, oh. I was like, oh, I thought it was a good name. And they're like, oh, no, it is, but I've, just, I've had three of these, three kids with that name in the last five years, and not one of them is good. Like, okay, that's really good to know. See, how we act and how we treat others can actually impact what people think of us and when our name is mentioned, how we respond to such a name. And so Solomon says, here is wisdom. Live knowing that one day, just as you were born, one day we will also die. And how we live in between these two days is of the utmost importance. He wants to... He wants to encourage us not to, to look at, the, at this as a kind of just a oh, throw our hands up in the air and just give up kind of thing, but to actually look death in the eye and learn from it and how we are to live. Not becoming preoccupied, but actually rather avoiding the danger of uh, de- de- denying the reality that death is even a thing. I know so many people who just live life as though death is not coming as though it's, it's something that, that it's just, not, you, don't, you don't talk about it. And if you don't talk about it, it doesn't happen. You know when, you, when little kids play hide and seek and they stand there like this? They go, well, I can't see you, so you can't see me. That is the opposite of what Solomon is talking about here. He's saying we are to accept the reality, know the reality, and live in light of it. In fact, Solomon's uh, father, David, in Psalm 90, wrote this. He said, Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. When we understand that we are born and we die, we know that there are a limited amount of days that we have. When we look death in the eye and understand its reality, then we are on that journey of seeking wisdom that comes from God. And what Solomon does in the rest of these verses is he talks about what that life looks like between those two ends and how it is a life of balance. So he talks about laughter and praise that are great things, isn't it? It's good to laugh, isn't it? My son was jumping on the trampoline uh, this afternoon while the hose was going. He's going, Dad, I bet I can make you laugh. And was doing all sorts of funny things. You know, pretending to trip over, just walking casually. Pretending that he was flying through the air and then landing on his belly. Singing a song and trying to make the beats go as he landed on his backside on the trampoline. All these sorts of things to just try and make me laugh. And I must admit, I did. They were funny. A good laugh is a good thing, isn't it? 
I don't know if you've heard the, uh, the saying that, um, that, uh, that laughter can be a great medicine. It can, it can heal a broken heart. It can give joy. But yet here, we find Solomon saying that laughter is, yeah, it's good, but what is better is sorrow. What is better is sadness. Now, that doesn't sound very right, does it? Now, why laughter is good medicine for a broken heart, Solomon is saying that sorrow can actually nourish us like nothing else can. Because it strengthens us. In the, when we go through those moments of sorrow and sadness and difficulty, it strengthens us on the inside. Because we have to rely not on ourselves, but on God. It strengthens our faith. It builds up our faith muscle so that we become stronger and are able to endure more sorrow and sadness as it comes. Because we all know the reality don't we, that we cannot live a life that is free of those things. They come when we least expect it. And even when we are expecting it. There is a time to laugh. Solomon has said that earlier in Ecclesiastes in chapter 3, verse 4. There is a time for laughing. But there's also, we are not to neglect the benefit of going through trials. It even says um, in, verse, in chapter 7, 5 and 6 about uh, how a rebuke is better than praise. Praise is good, but empty praise actually is, what he says here, is like uh, burning thorns in a campfire. You ever thrown uh, thorns in a campfire? You ever done that? I've thrown a, um, a dead rose bush once into, into, a, into the flames and it makes a lot of noise, but it's gone within seconds. So like, you know, or like when you put uh, dry leaves in to a fire, it goes, boom. It makes all the crackle sounds. But then as soon as it's gone, boom, and made the sounds, it's done. It actually doesn't stoke the fire or keep it going. Where a wise rebuke actually teaches and corrects and, and, and teaches and trains us to do different next time. Now, I'm not talking harsh criticism here that someone goes up and goes, what are you doing that for? That was wrong. That's not the kind of rebuke that Solomon has in mind. It is the one that lovingly gets beside someone and says, look, I know you tried really hard, but I just want to help you for next time. These things might be more helpful. It might be better to do it this way because it will cause less drama on you and other people. Is one done out of love, not out of harsh criticism. He moves on in verses 9 and 10 to say that there are no shortcuts in life. Now, who doesn't like a shortcut, really? Like, if I've got to go somewhere, I'd rather take a shortcut than go the long way around, even if it means it's a bit rocky and a bit difficult. I'd love looking at um, Facebook and YouTube when the videos come up of, of life hacks. I don't know if you've seen those. It's like little, little kind of tips to how, how to make things easier in life. But it's usually things that are disposable and actually don't last all that long. So they're good for the moment, but after a while, they stop being helpful and actually start causing problems. 
there is that easy fix that we go for sometimes, isn't there? But sometimes those easy fixes, those shortcuts, actually end up taking longer or end up becoming more expensive or become more difficult or more troubling. Solomon wants to point us in the direction that wisdom, when we are doing things, when we are going about chores or or anything that we have to do, just life in general, he's saying it's better to wait patiently and humbly for the Lord to work out his will than to get angry and demand our own way. It is better to wait humbly on God and patiently on God than to take things into our own hands and try to take shortcuts. He continues on and says that better is the ending of a thing than the beginning. We often... um, think that how we begin something is just as important. Well, if we begin something well, then we will finish it well. I tell you what, there are a lot of to-do lists that I have on my list at home, and you can ask Christine, my wife, that I have started well and still aren't done. Just because I started good doesn't mean it happens. And sin can do this to us sometimes, can't it? It's the great... Uh, temptation or the great, great thing that, that, that Satan does is he, he gives us this, this great start. Something tastes really good. Sin tastes really good at the beginning but the further we fall into sin, the more we find that we suffer and it tastes off. It tastes foul. It tastes wrong. Just because something starts good doesn't mean that it will end good. Joseph began out as a slave Remember his brothers sold him off into slavery? What ended up happening to Joseph? We find he becomes second in in charge over all of Egypt and actually saves many from, from a famine. Bad start, great finish. Even Jesus, when uh, he turns water into wine at the, the wedding feast in Canaan, when does the good wine come out? At the end. How we finish is important. How are you planning on finishing the rest of your days? That's kind of a weird thing to say, isn't it? You might be sitting here thinking, oh, I've got another 40, 50, 60 years to go. Maybe. But how will we, even if, if that is what happens, how will we live those remaining years? Will we live it in a way that is actually fearing God and keeping his commands? Or will we be looking to, to live life on our own strength, in our own wisdom, doing things our way? Verse 10, he continues on and gives us this summary, which I think is really helpful as we hit 2021, because we've all been thinking this a little bit. And that is in verse 10, this idea that today uh, th- today will be better than yesterday or this year will be better than last year or that longing for what life was like in the years that, are, that were before. Oh, when I was growing up, it was so much better. I wish things were like that. Have you ever caught yourself saying that? Or maybe you have caught yourself saying, oh, I can't wait for this year to be done. Next year will be better. 
How do we know that this year will be better? We don't. How do we know that life was better when we were younger than what it is today? It's actually been said that that when we long for the good old days and say that the good old days were better, that usually what is happening is there's a combination of bad memory and a good imagination. Bad memory and a good good, uh, set of uh, imagination. I don't think that's true. Life probably might have been good, but not as good as what we thought it was. And this applies too when we we get to to wisdom and wealth, that the the two are not mutually exclusive in verses 11 and 12. And God has blessed many people with both wealth and wisdom, which is amazing. But uh, But wealth without wisdom offers no shelter whatsoever. It is like a straw roof that will soon blow away or be consumed by fire. Where wisdom, wisdom without wealth, actually preserves life. Money you can lose, money even loses its value. It can be stolen. But true wisdom keeps its value. So in these verses that we've just briefly touched on, and each one of them could have been a longer sermon, or a sermon in their own right, we see that what Solomon is doing is actually helping us to see with wisdom that the things that we think are not good are actually for our benefit. They are actually good. And what he will continue to do, and I'm just going to touch really briefly on the rest of uh, chapter 7, is he will go on and he will teach us that wisdom helps us to see life clearly. That wisdom, when we assess the things in life, actually will show us that there is a balance to be had. When we follow God's wisdom, we'll be able to accept and deal with the changes and the experiences that we have in life. That means through the good and the bad, when they come abruptly or not, we'll be able to move with the the flow. We'll be able to accept them and lean on God as we go through them. See, in verses 13 to 18... Solomon says that there are, there, is a, a, there are things that are crooked that cannot be made straight. There are things that God has set that can't be undone unless God decides to do so. And we often get frustrated and angry at those things, don't we? Because they're the things that we don't like when we look out into our world or into our life. Things that we look at and go, I don't I don't like that God is causing suffering. I don't like what God is doing in my life. He shouldn't do this. It's not fair. It's not right. He shouldn't do it this way. They are the crooked things that we want straightened so that things go how we want them to. It's like sitting in the passenger seat on a trip and someone's driving and they are going, well, we're going to go this way. But you in the passenger seat going, no, 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 this, there's a better way. There's a shortcut. Quick, give me the wheel. He's like, you can't take the wheel when you're in the passenger seat. You ever tried to do that? It doesn't. It's not good. Don't do it. 
because it ends horribly. There is a, um, a prayer that has been adapted by many support groups around the world and uh, alcohol, uh, anonymous, uh, Alcoholic Anonymous do, uh, have adapted this prayer as well. And it really sums up what Solomon is doing well. And here is just a part of it. It says, O oh God, give us serenity to accept what cannot be changed, courage to change what should be changed, and wisdom to distinguish the one from the other. This is the heart of what Solomon is getting at. To accept what God has done. Because everything that God has done is beautiful in its right time and in its own way, even if we don't think it is. Yet there are some things that God has actually called us to be actively involved in changing. And we should be involved in those things. But we need wisdom to work out which is which because it can become easily confusing and it's only through the wisdom that comes from God that we can discern which is which. And so this wisdom that Solomon is talking about, this, this dependence on God, this understanding of who God is and what he has done and why he does it is for his own glory. When we understand these things, we're equipped with this wisdom that comes from following God. We find that we're able to see clearly enough so that we aren't discouraged in times of difficulty and we don't become arrogant when things are going well. Job reminded his wife when, uh, when his wife told him to curse God and die. If you don't know the story of Job, Job had lots, he had everything that he could ever want. Yet God took it all away and gave him much sorrow and suffering. And his wife, when things reached its lowest, just told Job just to, just to curse God and get it over and done with and die. Yet here is Job's response. What? Shall we receive good at the hand of God and shall we not receive trouble as well? Should we only accept what is good and turn our back on God when it goes pear-shaped? Solomon wants us to, to hear this and to live a balanced life. A, um, a thing popped up on my Facebook feed uh, yesterday, actually last night, where it was um, these two teenage girls in America being given a car for their birthday. And one was given a pretty standard second-hand car and she was over the moon, filled with gratitude. She, she was in tears, the family were in tears. It was really hard to watch it and not tear up. It was beautiful because she knew the sacrifice and the cost of providing a car for her. And yet the, the, the next one, the car that this girl didn't, uh, wanted wasn't available. And so the father had gone out and bought her a uh, red Lamborghini at which she tore strips off him saying, I wanted a white one. I wanted the newer model. 
It's got black interior. I didn't want a black interior. I wanted a pink interior. Two very different reactions. Two very different responses. And they were two good things. How much more when we receive trouble and sorrow and difficulty do we respond more like the second rather than the first? Wisdom will tell us that we need balance in life. Because if we aren't balanced, what happens? We fall over. God gives us blessing in our hands and puts sorrow on our back to even us out. If God gave us only blessing, He only ever gave us good things, what would happen? Well, what I think would happen is that we would actually stop trusting him and we'd start expecting from him. We wouldn't start relying on him and trusting in him, but we would, be, we would turn and start demanding better and better things because we would lose a heart of gratefulness. When you are constantly given things, it doesn't actually build gratitude because we we lose sight of what it is that we are to be grateful for. You and I have been given grace upon grace, mercy upon mercy. We have been given new life through Jesus. And yet we will follow, we will find difficulties and sorrow and tragedy in our lives. That is to remind us of the great cost of what Jesus did for us on the cross so that one day all those things will be done away with. And we told that, that one day there'll be no more mourning, there'll be no more sorrow or sadness or sickness. All those things will be done away with. Why? Because we'll be in the presence of God forever and we'll have goodness upon goodness for all of our years of eternity, forever and ever. This wisdom that Solomon talks about is a wisdom that helps us to face life, to deal with life, to see that life is a life of balance of both good and bad. And what Solomon will say when he gets to the end of this book in chapter 12 is he will say, this is wisdom. If you want to know what wisdom is, it's right at the end. He finishes with it, and it's this. He says, now all things have been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commands, for this is the duty of all mankind. When we fear God and keep his commands, there we find wisdom to see the balance that we have in life, to see life clearly, to actually have the wisdom to get through each day. And Solomon will even tell us what that will look like in our day-to-day life. In chapter 8, verse 1, he says this, Who is like the wise? Who knows the explanation of things? A person's wisdom brightens their face and changes his hard appearance. 
when we follow the wisdom of God, it will change the way that we look. Have you ever seen someone who is trusting in God in the difficulties of life? There seems to be a calmness and a peace about them that I, I can never put my finger on or I'll understand. It's because they understand that, that there will be crooked things in life. But God is God and they are not. And they are trusting in him and relying in him. True wisdom lights up a face. It lights up a life. It lights up a room. There was a, a story, I want to finish on this, of a, an elderly lady who was once um, asked in a department store what uh, cosmetics she was using to look so radiantly. And this was her response. She replied, For my lips, truth. For my voice, prayer. For my eyes, pity. For my hands, charity. For my figure, uprightness. And for my heart, love. This was a woman who knew the wisdom of God. A woman who knew how to live in wisdom from birth to death. I encourage us to think about how will we be remembered? How will we be remembered when we, when we leave this life? Will we be remembered, who, by, will, will we be remembered as someone who did everything they possibly could under the sun? Or will we be remembered as someone who lived a life of God's wisdom under heaven? That is the conclusion of what Solomon will talk about throughout all of this book. Life under the sun is meaningless, but life under heaven is full of meaning and purpose. It's full of wisdom and joy. Let me pray for us. Dear gracious God, thank you for uh, your word and our time together. Father, we pray that you would help us to live this wisdom. This wisdom that comes from following you, from knowing you, from fearing you and keeping your commands. Help us to live such lives where we bring a delightful aroma to the lives of others. Father, we pray that we would be people who follow you and are remembered for the way we followed you that we would not be remembered for our grumbling and for our foolishness and for our complaining. But we, would be, but we would be remembered for people who loved you with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind and all our strength and those who loved our neighbours as ourselves. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.